I started after I finished my baking. Previously on BGPI. My younger sister, the little fool, imagines that she's fallen in love. He's a boxer. If anything you do causes Johnny to come to any harm, I will take this cereal bowl and shove it so far up your ass, you'll be wearing it as a necklace. At great expense. We have arranged for Johnny to fight Pete Calamari. I think we ought to keep you two hidden here until then. Mr. Amador, why would you help us? And now, episode three, Right Cross, Double Cross. Things were starting to come into focus. I knew where Johnny and Skipper were, and I knew their plans. What I didn't know was what to do with the information. Something about Catherine Ritzy stank like milk that's been left in a bedpan for a week. I didn't trust her. I'd had plenty of clients I didn't trust. I'd also screwed over my share of people just as nice as Johnny and Skipper. I could do it again. It's open. It was Daisy Marzetti and she looked as anxious as an inveterate gambler betting on the Cleveland Browns. Good morning, Mr. Amador. Miss Marzetti, I didn't expect to see you again. I didn't expect to be here. Please, sit down. What can I do for you? Mr. Amador, I don't know who to turn to. Well, usually they say look at the person on your left, then the person on your right. Then they say that at least one of those people won't graduate four years from now. Johnny's gonna throw a fight. I know, Miss Marzetti. But he'll be tossing away everything he's worked for all these years. You can't let him do it. Let him? Miss Marzetti, I don't even know him. Why on earth would you think I should or, or even could try to talk him out of it? Because there's nobody else. He won't listen to me. I can't tell Krusty. It'd kill him. But you, Mr. Amador, I know we only met briefly, but I could tell... You're a good man, and good men do the right thing. <sighs> Miss Marzetti, four years ago, my partner, the, the man whose name I somehow haven't gotten around to scraping off that door, a man I had known for years, killed a 17-year-old girl right near where you're sitting. I've had the carpet replaced since. He was a good man, or he had been. I learned some things that day, one of which is that good men do evil things just like everybody else. 
Also, I learned that vinegar is an effective natural cleanser, but that doesn't really enter into this. My point, Miss Marzetti, is that Johnny may be your little brother, but he's a grown man, and he's going to do what he wants to regardless of whether you or I approve. So we might as well just have sex on my desk. Did I say that last part out loud? I will pray for you, Mr. Amador. Both of you. So she left. As I watched her grow, I wondered if maybe I should do the right thing. I wondered if it might be enough to just not do the wrong thing. I also wondered if she was into light bondage, but let's not dwell on that part. Nico's was a cool little club my cousin used to own before he lost it in a divorce settlement. I still came here because I occasionally played naked Yahtzee with his ex. I was here tonight because it's good policy to meet in public if you're going to give your client bad news. That way, they're less likely to respond with an ice pick enema. Mr. Amador. Mrs. Ritzy. Can I get a light? Of course. Would the lady like to see a drink menu? No need. I'll have a Joseph Stalin. Very good, miss. I don't know that drink. Vodka and prune juice. Ah. Have you found anything on Johnny Marzetti? No. No, I haven't, Mrs. Ritzy. The kid is as clean as Mickey Mouse's taint. Then why am I here? I'm returning my fee, Mrs. Ritzy. I'm going to have to take myself off of this case. Why is that, Mr. Amador? Because I don't trust you, Mrs. Ritzy. I don't have to like a client or think their pubic hair configuration is the most flattering, which, if I'm talking, uh, but, but I do have to know why they've hired me, and with you, I'm just not sure. I see. I thought we understood each other, Mr. Amador. I thought you were agreeable to blackmail and spontaneous sex. I thought you were a real man. It seems I was wrong. It seems you were. By the way, I'd absolutely still be up for more sex. Your drink, miss. Thank you. Goodbye, Mr. Amador. So she walked out. I stared after her, watching her legs and wondering if I was being paranoid about her late-night office visit. Then I thought about those legs dressed in some thigh-high nylons and stiletto heels, maybe stepping on my chest as I lay tied up on the floor. I was doing a lot of thinking, is my point. You bet it's new. No Saturday night. I hadn't heard anything more from Catherine Ritzy, and I hadn't heard anything more from Johnny or Skipper. So far as I knew, I was done with the whole situation. Except I wasn't. I didn't know why Catherine Ritzy had come to my office that night. It was like an itch you can't scratch because you were born without fingers. Or some other thing that would stop you from scratching. Why had she come here? The only thing even halfway interesting in my desk was my collection of Amish pornography. Now that's a thatch. Catherine hadn't been looking through the drawer, though. She'd been near my file cabinet. What the hell could she have been looking for in my files? 
Come on, go get him, Dirty. And round seven has started a little slower than the last round. Both of these evenly matched fighters feeling the fatigue of their battle. A hard right to Marzetti's kidney backs him up against the ropes. It sounded like Johnny was about to take that dive. Now, Calamari, sensing vulnerability, picks up the intensity. He throws a blistering array of punches at Marzetti, who can only cover his face and whimper like a terrier when you kick it with steel-toed boots. Any moment now. Marzetti has nowhere to go. Calamari is hitting him as hard as you hit your son when he spills milk on the carpet. Both of goddamn punches! And now Marzetti is down on one knee, like when your wife tries to pull you off the kid and you grab her by the throat and shove her to the floor. <sighs> Sounded like it was almost over. I want to shut the radio off. But wait, what's this? Marzetti is standing up. This reporter was sure Marzetti was finished, but now he appears to be getting a second wind. He throws a left jab that knocks Calamari back away from him. And now a right jab, left jab, right jab, left jab, right jab. I wasn't sure what I was hearing. Calamari is stunned. He doesn't know where this is coming from. It's like when your kid comes back from college, and now he's bigger than you, and he sees you smack your wife, and then he jumps in and starts pounding the shit out of you, and you're half terrified that part of you is kind of proud that you raised a real man. And now Calamari is down. He's down. the kid thinking to find the ritzy family was one thing to find the mob was something entirely different it was like apples and really violent oranges go for beji mr amador it's skipper ritzy miss ritzy what can i do for you oh mr amador it's johnny he's done something something foolish yeah i just heard I don't know what to do, Mr. Amador. This wasn't something the two of you had planned. No! I didn't want Johnny to make the deal in the first place. I knew it would kill him to throw a fight. But now... That you and Johnny plan to meet somewhere. Well, he was supposed to come back here after the fight. Stay where you are. I'll see if I can find him, then I'll bring him to you. If Johnny shows up, you keep him there. What was I doing? This wasn't my fight. I could sit here and have another drink or three, then read a couple of issues of Betty and Veronica Digest and pass out peacefully. Instead, I was grabbing a gun and running out the door to confront a group of Canadian mobsters. I've never minded a little bit of danger in my life, but I'm not the kind of guy who takes out a man seeks danger at in the personals. This situation now, this, this was dangerous. Sticking my nose into this mess was the worst decision I'd made since I tried to make a cake with nothing but whole wheat flour. I was charging in without so much as the tiniest scrap of a plan. How was I going to find Johnny? What was I going to do once I found him? Why didn't I key before I left the office? I had dozens of questions, but not one answer. Fortunately, sometimes dumb, blind luck is the best plan of all. I spotted Johnny ten blocks from the Coliseum. Johnny! 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 Mr. Amador? Come on, come on, come on, get in. What are you doing here? Get down. 
Skipper called me, said you needed help. Thank you. And don't thank me yet, kid. We're not out of danger, not by a long shot. Right. Why'd you do it, kid? What the hell were you thinking? Mr. Amador, I don't know what happened. Well, you were in a boxing match. You were supposed to throw the fight, but no, then... No, 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 I, I know that. What I'm saying is I fully intended to throw the fight. I was all ready to let him land a good right hook and fall down. He came toward me. I remember thinking, I'm doing this for Skipper, for our future. Next thing you know, I'm pounding the hell out of him. I-I don't know what I'm gonna do, Mr. Amador. It's pretty simple, Johnny. You're gonna get the hell out of town. Tonight. Thank you, Mr. Amador. <laughs> Listen, kid. If this works, you can send me a pretty bouquet. Maybe something with some lilies and ferns that does a kind of sweeping thing off the table and toward the floor. Until then, keep your head down. I dropped Johnny off at William Calder's apartment, then headed to the Port Authority to pick up a couple of tickets on the first bus out of town. If my brothers in the Fraternal Order of Private Detective and Waffle Makers could have seen me, they would have laughed till their balls fell off. Me, Jose Amador, risking my neck to help a couple of kids in love. <sighs> Maybe, when you spend your days and nights down in the sewer, swimming with the other sharks, you need to see something every once in a while that's not covered in wastewater. If I wanted to keep that wastewater off of Johnny and Skipper, I had to hurry. Of course, when you're in the biggest hurry, life is going to pump your brakes for you. Sir, I'm doing my best to help you, but- Your best? Jesus, if this is your best, I'd fucking hate to see your worst. Listen, it's not rocket science. I just want one ticket to Burgerville. Sir, I've told you- Burgerville is not a place. You're not a place, you fuck. Sir, I can't sell you a ticket to a destination that doesn't exist. Doesn't exist? I fucking grew up there. Yeah, dick. Can you tell me what state it's in? It's in South Penoma. Not a state. Your mother's not a state, you fucking piece of shit. Is there another large city near Burgerville to which I could get you a ticket? How about I give you a ticket to kiss my fucking asshole? At this rate, Johnny and Skipper wouldn't get out of town till Labor Day. So I intervened. Sir, I... Hey, buddy. What? There's a train to Burgerville leaving out of the restroom on the third floor in five minutes. If you hurry, you can catch it. Ah, oh, thanks a lot. Hey, say, you're a real pal. Sorry about that, sir. Can I help you? I got Johnny and Skipper two tickets on the red eye to Pittsburgh. I figured it'd be safe there. At the very least, I thought they might enjoy some time in a town where they put the french fries right on your sandwich. All aboard. Train 534 to Burgerville, South Panorama, leaving now from Platform 7. As I headed back to my car, I kept my eyes peeled for any sign of Ron McDonald and his crew. I knew there was a pretty good chance they were looking for Johnny at any place he might be able to get out of town. Spare a quarter. Sure, Pops. Here you go. Thanks, mister. Hey, this is a laundry token. Oh, sorry, Pops. That's all I have on me. But how are you going to do your laundry now? Huh. I hadn't thought about that. Here, why don't you give that back to me and I'll give you this cough drop. 
deal. If you haven't accepted Jesus into your heart, how are you ever going to know his recipe for ham salad? And lo, the Lord did chop three sweet pickles, mix in a can of deviled ham, and sprinkle it with celery salt. Then did he stir in two tablespoons of mayonnaise. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, the Lord Jesus spread that ham salad on rye bread, and it was good. X-ray, X-ray, Boxer disappears after fight, probably running from the mob. X-ray, X-ray. <sighs> Shit. Bad news traveled fast, apparently. I needed to get Johnny and Skipper on that bus soon, or they were going to be deader than an armadillo at the Indy 500. Everything went smoothly. I made it back to William Calder's building without seeing any of Ron McDonald's goons. I figured if I could get Johnny and Skipper out the door in the next five minutes or so, we'd be in the clear. When I got to the apartment, though, I got the feeling that five minutes was going to be wildly optimistic. The door was hanging open, and the gun smoke in the air was as thick as a fullback's neck. <coughs> Soon, as I walked in, I saw that the only bus Johnny would be catching was the 915 to the Big Adios. He was laying in the middle of the living room, looking like the bloodiest piece of Swiss cheese you'd ever seen. Someone had wanted to make goddamn sure Johnny Marzetti wasn't getting up again. Skipper was nowhere to be found. I had tried to do the right thing to help out true love, but I'd forgotten the cardinal rule of the detective business. Death doesn't give a damn about true love. The other cardinal rule is too many powdered donuts leaves you bloated and uncomfortable. For some reason, a lot of the detective rules involve donuts. What happened to Johnny? Where is Skipper? Does anyone else feel like a donut? Find out in the next thrilling episode of... Beijing P.I.